0: Good morning and welcome to those of you who are new or joining us for the first time and welcome as well to those of you who have been tuning in regularly over the course of this last year. Um, For those of you who don't know, my name is Jen and I'm a part of the Oversight Team or the OT of our Church Following Jesus. And as you know, given the current regulations, the COVID guidelines and things in South Africa, we are going to be kind of continuing with these online services for some time. It does kind of come as a blow I think for many of us um, because you know obviously we'd love to have turned the corner and be able to meet in person Um, but this is sort of the foreseeable future Um, and I just want to reiterate what Pablo said last week which is yes the building is closed but that doesn't mean the church is closed because the church is not the building but the people and you know I just think for many of us in a lot of ways it's been a pretty difficult year of kind of adjusting how to be church um, when kind of the regular things that we do as church aren't you know present because um, the reality is alone you aren't the church by yourself right you're a human being you're created in the image of God um, and that's beautiful but the church is meant to be the gathered body of Christ um, in the Greek it's the ecclesia um, which just means the people who are assembled together um, but COVID has, you know, forced us to be alone or at the very least um, to be more isolated and not to be able to gather together for the most part. Um, and it's been a big adjustment. Um, we are, however, in the in the midst of a week of prayer and fasting together, and I hope that it's been a good start to that time. Um, if you forgot to participate or if you've been ignoring Pablo's messages on the WhatsApp group, then it's not too late to join you can still pray you can still fast um, and we're going to be carrying on until um, wednesday so during this week um, you might find that there are ways that god speaks to you for yourself um, for your family you might also find that god speaks to you for our ecclesia you know for our church and if you haven't seen it Babaloa has also sent out some information about some of the points for our vision this year the vision 2021 and so what we've sent out Is for your consideration before God and it's not yet set in stone. We are asking that you bring um, the vision before God as a part of how uh, we are the church together um, so that we can all be on the same page um, and hear from God um, as a collective. And in a few weeks we're actually gonna have a chance to come together to discuss the vision uh, in our own uh, family meeting shall we call it. Um, so in the meantime, Ketumetsi and Portia are leading this time of prayer and fasting. So as the Holy Spirit stirs you, if there's things that come up for you, please pass your reflections and your thoughts on to them so that we can discern all together. So church, this morning we are continuing our, continuing our talk about the highway. Last week, Pabalo spoke to us about the foundations uh, that we laid for our highway for our journey and we're gonna continue in that. Um, But kind of as a part of that, and because it just feels important to address this, um, I'm gonna speak a little bit about um, America actually. So some of you have asked um, from time to time, where am I and when am I returning to South Africa? And my hope is um, for that to be really soon. Um, It depends on if and when my visa is approved, um, but hopefully maybe even within the next month or so. Um, But in the meantime, I'm joining you today through the wonders of technology from the other side of the world. And here on the other side of the world, it's America, um, which is where I'm from, as you can tell by the accent, I assume. Last week, Pablo said that he would not speak about what's been going on here. um, But as an American dwelling in the U.S. at the moment, it feels important to speak to some of what's been going on um, because unfortunately, What happens in the U.S. um, affects a lot of the world, Um, and I wish that were not the case because I think Americans in general are extremely deluded about our place in the world. Um, But I think it's important to address because it's not just about the politics of what's happening, um, but about our faith and our religion, um, which affects us even more. Um, As you've no, no doubt all heard, just a few days ago about a week and a half now um, there was an attempt by a group of people to overtake the government this overthrow attempt happened not by foreign invaders um, but by this country's own citizens and the way that i put it just now this sounds like the kind of story uh, that most americans are used to hearing about in other countries it is so unbelievable to some folks, um, that even seeing the images on their TV screens, they may not believe their own eyes. And part of it, if we're honest, is that Americans are used to hearing about and seeing this happen in other places, in Africa, the Middle East, Latin America, Asia, maybe even like Eastern Europe or something. Um, We are used to the story um, that in other places where there isn't democracy, or where there is poor governance, or where there are lots of uninformed or desperate people, or where there are lots of poor people, that's where we see uprisings. In other words, we're used to seeing uh, poor folks, usually poor folks of color, rising up and forming militias, engaging in guerrilla warfare, being violent and ungovernable. These are images we associate with lots of other places, but not the United States of America. And this, I think, is why so many news, media outlets, politicians, um, church leaders, lots of folks have been saying things like, you know, this is not America. This is not who we are. Um, This is not what Americans do. We are better than this and so on and so forth. And I think the reality is, um, of course, this is America. We don't get to say that we are America uh, when we think we're, you know, doing these great and noble things. Uh, We have to understand um, that we are America when we are doing terrible things as well. We have to understand that there is a deep rot that is built right into our country, into our history, into our governance, into our culture, um, into who we are. In our two and a half centuries of existence, we have caused so much harm in the world, so much harm within our own borders as well, um, that there is no possibility of moving on, of healing, of unity, um, of higher moral ground or anything like that uh, to be had without acknowledgement of this fact, which is that violence is as American as apple pie, for lack of a better phrase. It's like a very popular phrase in America. Apple pie is like a, a fruit dessert, like a mince pie, but big with apples inside. Anyway, the information about the identities of the people at this insurrection shows that these are not really poor desperate folks. Um, They are people who had the resources to travel, many of them by plane or by train to Washington DC. They included store owners, police officers and military personnel, politicians, and the vast majority of them were Christians. They were Christians who put up signs saying, Jesus saves or quoting scripture or holding crosses Uh, They identify themselves as evangelical Christians, and they attend vast networks of churches across America. They believe things like, God has a plan for our country. God's will cannot be perverted. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God will make a way. God will prevail over evil. The righteous will be saved. A lot of that sounds pretty familiar. Am I right? So some of you might say as you hear this, okay, but Jen, those people are not Christians, even if they kind of sound like that and say Christian things, they just think that they are. Others of you might say, um, those people are actually our dear brothers and sisters. Uh, they need correct teaching because even if what they believe is correct, they shouldn't have practiced violence in order to achieve their means. And then others you might say, um, I agree completely with you, Jen. These folks and their bad theology, they must be eradicated from the church. And to all of you, to all of us really, uh, what I would have to say to that is that we need to check our foundations. So Pabalo spoke about this last week about the foundations of our um, highways. Um, I think it's really important for us to consider um, that the reality is as much as we want to disavow Um, foolishness or what we consider to be evil Um, those folks don't believe that and they were doing it um, in the name of Jesus um, with the same um, elements of theology that many of us espouse Um, and we may say that what they did and said was twisted um, but it does not mean that our own foundations don't warrant some exploration as well Um, you might be thinking, you know, but we would never have been so foolish as to be part of uh, such a thing, um, such an insurrection. You know, we're not foolish enough to join those spraying churches, you know, where they make people eat grass. Um, but this, in many ways, is actually our problem. We're too busy reminding ourselves that we are not these obviously sinful people or these obviously deluded people to be doing the hard work of looking internally at ourselves and our beliefs. Jesus tells the story. Um, It says that Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a 10th of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, "O God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you this sinner, not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So to this I say, let's take this opportunity um, to check, to consider. How is it that we share a religion that is the same name as those folks who do these ridiculous things? Could it be that there are elements of our own highway that need a new foundation? You know, I was thinking about that story of Pabalo's neighbor, um, the one who bought the house without knowing that the foundations were cracked, only to later find um, that the previous owners had just painted over the cracks in the foundation. And I was also reminded of this one time, um, I came over to Trissy, uh, Trissy Chrissy, and Trevor's house um, in Cosmo City, and I saw that there was this like huge gash um, that had been kind of torn out of the plaster in the wall. Um, and it turns out the builder had used kind of this mixture of like sand and cement and dirt or something to plaster over it. Um, And then they painted over it so it looks like any other wall, but underneath it was not very strong and it was crumbling. um, And they needed actually to chip away at at big portions of it, maybe even all of it, to redo it and make it suitable um, for being an actual wall. Um, And I sometimes feel this way about Christianity. And I think that we all should too, to some extent. So God is good, God is powerful, and God is loving. That's not really what's in question here. But the foundations of what we have received as faith are, in many ways, rotten. And events like what we saw in America are exposing this. It should really deeply trouble us that we so strongly hold to a faith that is being used to commit grievous sin um, and to lead many astray from liberation in Christ. I think we should really resist the urge here to differentiate between, oh, well, you know, what well, that's tr- not true religion or whatever, and, what you know, that's false or whatever, and so on and so forth. Um, I think we should resist the urge to set ourselves apart from those we think are engaging in this sort of foolish behavior. I think it behooves us rather to take this opportunity to begin or to continue to really re-examine the foundations of our faith, um, to move into the freedom that Christ has set us free for. Um, And like the tax collector in that parable, um, I would encourage us to be quick to humble ourselves rather than to kind of try to figure out the ways that we are justified um, and the things that we believe are justified. Um, I think it behooves us to kind of really consider what is it that we believe about how God works, about God's purposes, God's favor, um, about God's will in the world, how, how uh, prayer works, um, what the church really is, um, what it means for the church to be at work in the world. Um, There are a lot of verses that we enjoy um, quoting, that we, um, certain tenets of our belief that we hold really strongly. Um, But what do they mean for really how we should live? Um, What do our foundations tell us about how we ought to behave? Um, And is that reflected in our church? Is that reflected in our individual lives? Um, And I think that that is really honestly hard work to do. Um, And I'm encouraging us to move toward it. Some of you may know this, but in the church liturgical calendar, Christmas actually starts on Christmas Day, but it keeps going on until the 6th of January, which incidentally is the day uh, that the riot in America happened. Um, And the 6th of January is when the season of Epiphany starts. So it's kind of historically um, Epiphany, January 6th is a day where, you know, the the Magi or the Kings um, came to Jesus uh, when he was born and gave him the gifts. And it kind of was like, okay, they're revealing now Jesus's identity to the world, that Jesus is the King um, of all the world, the Lord of all the world. Um, and in this way, the season of epiphany is about revelation. And I really invite you to consider what is it that's being revealed to us and how then shall we live? Okay. I'm gonna transition this a little bit um, into a bit more of what I'd hope to talk about today. And I'm gonna start with a breath, actually. Let's take a breath together. Um, I'm gonna invite you to breathe in, breathe out, and let's do another one. Okay. Psalm 127, the first two verses. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So I used to find this psalm very beautiful and relaxing. Now, however, after having tried to live my life as though I believe this psalm and as though it's true, I actually find the psalm very challenging and not at all comforting. I think this is partially because my understanding of it is incomplete to some extent. Um, and I think that that also is due to some of my own theological foundations about how I think God should work. Um, and today I'm going to invite you to approach this Psalm with me as a mystery and not as kind of like a command or a statement of fact, um, as a platitude or some kind of condemnation or anything like that, but just to approach it as poetry, um, which is what the Psalms were, um, as music. So again, let's get back to this highway that we keep talking about. So. Some of you may have been traveling during the holidays, um, or if you not, uh, if you were not, um, I assume you remember travel more or less, right? So driving, right? Someone drives for a while, they get tired, um, so then maybe they switch off and someone else drives so the other one can sleep. You know you know the feeling of being stuck in a car or a taxi for hours. Um, you finally get up to stretch your legs at a rest stop. Um, you go to the toilets at the petrol station. maybe you stop and get your takeaway from steers or KFC. Um, You know, sometimes you're at the border waiting to cross, and a huge line of people, um, apparently the one um, across Zim was like several days worth of wait. Um, So, you know, I think we remember some of those kinds of experiences of travel, the rest that's needed. Um, And obviously we also know that in the age of COVID, rest stops aren't quite what they used to be. Or if they are, we might feel Uncomfortable because that they're you know, they're progressing in the way that they used to but maybe we're a bit worried about the distance um, That we're able to keep from people and so on and so forth. So Rest stops switching off driving those kinds of things They're practices that we do when we travel so that we can make it all the way to our final destination When we are stopped to rest, we're not moving So it seems like we're not moving toward where we want to go, but it's actually these moments of rest that are necessary um, that are crucial if you want to make it all the way to the end because otherwise you know the car's going to run out of petrol or the driver's going to fall asleep at the wheel or whatever else so in the last few weeks my facebook feed my whatsapps um, they've really been filled with lots of stories of grief and sadness this second wave of covid that's hitting south africa and along with this kind of new variant that's been introduced um, of the coronavirus that's causing you know these quicker or more easy to spread infections and things, um, it's really wrought havoc on the country. And even though I'm not there, um, I've heard many of the stories, I've seen the Facebook posts and things. And in fact, here in the States, um, Los Angeles, which is where my kind of closest community of friends um, and things are in the States, they are currently basically the coronavirus epicenter of the world. So I have friends who are nurses and doctors um, who've been telling these horror stories of the illness and the death that they're seeing on a regular basis. Um, And there are stories similar to ones that I've read about in some of the hospitals across South Africa, especially um, in some of the hotspots. And if toward the beginning of the pandemic, many of us still didn't know someone personally who had been impacted by the virus, we can't say that anymore. Undoubtedly, We're all only a couple of degrees of separation away from people who have had the virus. Maybe you've had it yourself or people who've passed from it or from people who know someone really close to them or important to them who's passed. You know, and these are beloved family members who've passed. Um, They are pastors and theologians. They're community members. Um, They're colleagues and friends. They're people with many comorbidities and they're healthy people um, who are otherwise in their prime. In these moments um, we no doubt have really longed for connection to be able to share this grief with others and if not the grief of the virus itself um, we really carry the grief of separation and isolation we carry the grief of being unable to see or touch loved ones we carry the grief of um, the burdens that this is putting on our mental health we carry the burden of the lack of employment um, that this has caused, the lack of job prospects, the loss of jobs and of pay. Um, that we've, We carry the burden of the struggle to find food and other provision, um, the burden of not knowing if we'll be able to pay our rent, not knowing how our children will be cared for, um, even the grief of having regular things like family gatherings or weddings or normal dating or meeting friends or church meetings, school work, even funerals, all of these kind of regular rituals, they've been disrupted. And these are really trying times. I read something online recently that said something like, everybody needs more support than any of us can give. And it seemed like a really apt word for our times because grief is super exhausting. Stories of pain and suffering are exhausting. We each have them, And then so too do our friends and family members to whom we would normally turn for comfort. I spoke about my friends who are doctors and nurses, um, and I also have friends who are teachers who've talked to me about the exhaustion of trying to teach all day with masks on and face shields on, um, or of navigating how to do school that is partially online, partially in person, or all of these other um, complications, Um, not to mention obviously stories of Millions of learners who are falling through the gaps even more because they don't have the resources or ability for these creative, technological interventions and things. You know, the ones who attend schools with pit toilets in the midst of, you know, coronavirus and everything. And on a very micro level, you know, all of these kind of big global patterns aside, just being alive these days is exhausting. You know, just going to the shops for groceries is draining. Going for a drive even can be draining um, to some of us and yet the psalmist says unless the Lord builds the house the builders labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city the guards stand watch in vain the highway we are on right now is the one that's filled with potholes our energy is drained from trying to navigate and avoid them and just when we think we're through the worst of it, a whole new section comes up where we have to slow down and you know, carefully inch our way around, make sure we don't puncture our tires. And as we drive, we see that there are other cars that are accidentally hitting these potholes, but we barely have the concentration to watch our own progress, much less that of others. What is the church? What is the ecclesia in times such as these? How do we do all of this difficult work of caring for ourselves, of caring for each other, of caring for the world? How do we examine our theological foundations, as I said we must do in this season, when we are barely keeping ourselves and our families financially afloat? Who has time to help someone else? Who has time to do all of these things when we are trying to keep ourselves healthy and sane? The psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Notice that the psalmist does not say, well, the Lord probably isn't really building the house, so you should really get to work at a breakneck speed to get it done as fast as possible, you know, since God's not really helping you. Psalmist also doesn't say, look, I mean, God's not watching over the city anyway, so you better get as many guards as possible to watch over it. But the psalmist also does not say, you know, well, God's building the house, so you don't have to do anything. God's watching over the city, so just take a break and do nothing. That's also not what the psalmist says. There's an assumption made by the psalmist perhaps, perhaps that building must happen, that starting, standing guard will happen. What is not assumed is whether the building and the guarding we are doing is in cooperation with God or not. How do we apply our labor to the work of God rather than futile work? How do we build and stand watch like people who have rested, who have experienced the sleep of the beloved? This is a season in which, in which we must learn restful work or work from rest. We don't have the luxury in this season to allow our souls to rot because we cannot go to church in a building. We don't have the luxury to ignore how many of our theological foundations are causing a deep and insidious rot within and outside of the church. We do not have the luxury to hide away in our beds until COVID is over, until everything returns to normal again. We do not have the luxury to plow on as though everything is normal, doing the same things that we did before. Denial, hiding from the reality, is not going to liberate us. And I kind of want to say here, you know, God will liberate us. But that kind of feels like a statement that gets cheapened a bit because, of course, the question is not whether God will save us. That's not ever the question. Um, That's a truth. The question is whether we will cooperate with God's liberation or not. Part of how we cooperate with God's liberation is in the awareness and acknowledgement of our places of rot. We can blame the previous builder for laying a bad foundation, but in the end, it's our house now and we have to live in it. Just as it doesn't do any good for the Pharisee to point fingers at the tax collector but not examine himself, so too must we consider our own places where we need liberation. And this is actually very freeing. One experiences the sleep of the beloved when one feels less invested in already being the holiest, when one can embrace one's journey toward holiness. And part of how we cooperate with God god's work as well is in embracing this current season an invitation Um, and the reality is in many ways this is a season of exhaustion of grief of pain of suffering i mean let's not beat ourselves up about that or try to deny that it's true let's rather consider how can we be present to one another how can we do the work of loving one another how can we acknowledge that we will fail in this time and time again because we are limited human beings. We will make mistakes in our care for one another. We will at times be selfish. We may even harm one another. The fact that God is enough for us does not mean we cannot acknowledge the fact that we don't live in heaven. We live in this world and in this world, on this side of heaven, there is a lot of not enoughness that we encounter. And in some seasons it is severe. For some of us, this season, it's really severe. There is a lot of not enoughness that we are encountering, but let's also not allow that to be an excuse for trying to be the church, or trying not to be the church, I should say. We should pray for God's mercy on us, for God to lift the calamity of this virus and its effects. And at the same time, we must still try to be the church. In many ways, this is a posture of rest that we need. It's the rest of acknowledgement, the rest of failure, the rest of not-enoughness. That may sound like a contradiction, or it may not make sense, but I think there is great freedom to be had in acknowledging that we are humans in need of God's mercy and grace. So let's ask the Lord for it together. Amen.